Peace and greetings. Welcome everyone to the 101, the 101 uh, session of the Chief Yuya podcast. We're still in season two, of course. And as always, I want to welcome all of you to this experience who are coming in for the first time. And for those of you who have been riding for some time now, uh, jumping right into it, um, you know, our last session, we got to have some we were able to have some conversations around resetting and sort of uh taking back the conscious mind and what that process looks like and the importance of that process and this session we're going to deal with um another important decision as it pertains to the mind and that's essentially who we choose to share our energy with who we choose to share our time with our resources, and most importantly, um, who we choose to establish as our religion. You know, as as I've mentioned in previous segments, for me, my, my family is my religion. It's what binds me back and restores, uh, or at least it should, but it restores to the connection and the awareness and the knowing to my originator. So in that, those who I do consider to be family uh, we are those who are working towards a particular goal spiritually and helping me, helping each other to reach those goals and get to a healthier space. So based upon that, right, I wanted to speak a little bit about in this session um, how we select who we choose to become family with and some of the criteria we should look at. You know, now of course, in uh, texts that I've written like solutions for dysfunctional family relationships and even grasping the root of divine power, uh, the 14 keys, of course, and, and absolutely the Anu way. Uh, all of those texts have aspects in them and pieces in them, even shrine and altars where I'm speaking about the interplay between masculine and feminine, um, between dark and light and really how those two complement each other and how they work together to produce. Right. Living in, in this existence where we're striving towards oneness, but but having to function within a, a realm, a sacred realm, you know, the earth realm of duality, uh, there is going to be light and dark, positive and negative, push and pull, Shiva Shakti, you know, um, Ogun Oshun or Ogun Oya and, and Oshun Shango and, you know, um, all of these different compliments are seer or set. You know, that we can look at Heteru Haru, right? Uh, Tehuti Ma'at. And the list goes on and on and on, you know, where we see this compliment. But sometimes our challenge can be in how we choose the compliment, how we pick the compliment. You know, what are we thinking when we come to that place? So that's what I'm going to speak about in this, this session. You know, um, intelligent choosing and some of the things that we, we, we need to consider. I would advise that we consider um, and some of the red flags sometimes that we choose to ignore because we become so desperate for an experience with someone that we end up really cursing ourselves later in the future. So this is going to be a good session for those of you who are not only already in relationships and want to kind of use some sort of reference point, but those of you who are seeking to be mated or, or hoping to be made it and want to make sure um that you're kind of looking at a at a uh, that you're looking at a at a checklist if you will and you're you're making sure that you're acknowledging what should be there you know and and basic things of course like respect and communication and being with someone who's committed to the success of what you two are building together kindness is extremely important uh if you actually do enjoy one another you know um if there's some level of ignoring or um some level of moving through their past and they're able to be straightforward with you about maybe some of the things that they have um gone through but where they are today and they kind of understand that there's a give and take. There's all these different things. And we're going to look at um, some aspects that are a little bit beyond that. And we're obviously we're going to use um, some of the words of our ancient elders to help to guide us through those. So we're going to be pulling from the Quran as well as the um, 
the Hebraic and the um, the Greek scriptures, you know. And we're going to just kind of look at different ways that we can tune in to, um, I guess we could say our, our love languages, but in a way where it's more lawful and it's more sensible. All right. But before I do that, I'm going to give you the proverb and I'm going to give you the movie. All right. So I'll be right back with that. All right. So the proverb for this session is a home full of children is a bazaar, a childless home, a tomb. All right. Now I'm going to share the movie that we're going to be watching in this session. And by the way, let me put this out there. If anyone, cause there's been questions coming into the inbox, which I'm getting to. I think I said I would get into them in this session. <laughs> I went over again. Uh, but I, I have not forgotten. Um, they're sitting right there. But if anyone wants to also, if there's any movie that you have ever seen before that you think would be a great value to the community, feel free to send the link in again to questions at chiefyuyan.com questions at chiefyuyan.com send the link over um yeah or even stuff like that feel free to hit me up on instagram or facebook or twitter i think i'm gonna get rid of clubhouse so (laughs) you might not want to hit me up there but either one of those and it'll get to me tiktok even you can hit me up on tiktok too i know i don't really post on platforms much but um that you know the accounts work for the most part all right so again and that's only for a movie all right not for for me to interpret your dream all right um but yeah just just uh if you want to hit me up and just let me know if there's any movie that you think is pretty cool that people would get a lot out of all right so the movie that um i'm looking at uh is called The Island. It came out in 2005. The Island. That's the movie that we're going to be watching for this session. And it's a pretty, pretty cool movie. Um, it has, um, it has Matrix sort of elements in it, if you will. I mean, a couple of movies that came out after The Matrix, you know, had that. And of course, it's, it's got, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi or, you know, even Ewan McGregor and, um, Scarlett Johansson in it and it, it has sort of a Logan's Run sort of feel to to it as well but you know it's dealing with a dystopian society where people are um, there's certain ideas that are programmed in, into them and this society is ran by this multi-billion dollar corporation and people live in these in a very like perfect sort of sort of place and the main character's name is Lincoln, right? And it's sort of like a, also, I would say, even a 1984 or Fahrenheit, you know, um, uh, sort of film, if you will, where it's just waking up of the main character as to realizing that my world is not perfect. There's all these things that have been presented to me. I'm maintained in a very quarantined sort of space. And there's questions that are raising up in me that are really questions of awareness. And I feel my purpose is being snuffed out, if you will. And I want to understand who I am, why I am, you know, and kind of remove myself out of this, this pre-programmed sequence of living. You go here, then you're going to do this, then you're going to do this, then you're going to do this, then you're going to do this. So it really looks into the film is cool because it looks about it looks into cloning is one thing. But some of the issues of of homogeny and some of the issues of having your social understanding engineered for you, you know, and living in a world where you have no risk. You know, you have all of this stability and where you have no risk. Um, and where you have full stability, that usually means you have no alternatives in life. You know, so sometimes people live a very safe life and they fault you for your mistakes, but it's because they, they haven't explored alternatives, you know, um, they are locked into a social understanding. So, um, the movie is, is pretty good. Again, the island, 
And we're going to look at that and look at just some of the, the plots there and different views, control versus freedom and homogenization versus individuality and even more. All right. So let's get into our main topic. All right. And like I said, we're going to jump right into it. Um, dealing with different different uh, schools of, of our learning. We pull from my yacht five, five. Right. And I want to kind of just speak on for a moment the importance of the pool of where we're pulling or we're fishing, if you if you will. But we want to use the term pool pool, but where we're fishing our mates from. And why it's important that for the most part that we we consort with each other. You know, I put a post up on social media some while ago and I spoke to that, you know, that uh, and actually it was a post. It was a a Muslim brother who was going through some challenges with a woman who he married who is not a Muslim. And as a result, there was a a clash in culture. There was a clash in um, perspectives and, and most importantly, how they ran their domestic affairs at home and even down to the clothing she chose to use uh, to wear, excuse me. And I thought it was fit fitting considering that um, the women of our new recently on the fellowships, you know, Koti Morea and uh, Safta Hava spoke about the wardrobe or the peace robe and the things that uh, we wear that identify who and what we are as a people. Right. But one of the things that identifies you is also who you mate with. Your mate, especially as a man, your mate says a lot about you, you know. But when we look, when we look at Ayat five five, the Holy Quran tells us today all good things have been made lawful for you. The food of the people of the book is lawful for you, as your food is lawful for them. So are chaste believing women, as well as chaste women of the people who were given the scripture before you. As long as you have given them their bride gifts or dowries and married them, not taking them as lovers or secret mistresses. The deeds of anyone who rejects the faith will come to nothing. And in the hereafter, he will be one of the losers. Right. So when you look at that, um, that that uh, passage, there's a lot there's a lot there to sort of unpack, if you will. Uh, obviously, speaking about. um things that are lawful, it begins with an understanding of food. And just in a, in a very simple sense, it says the, the food of the people of the book is lawful for you. Now, of course, who are the people of the book that this passage is referring to? Well, in Arabic, it, it you know, we, we're, we're speaking of English translation, but in Arabic, that term is Ahul al-Kitab, Ahul al-Kitab. And that term means basically people of the books, but it's not just talking about the ancient um, tribe, uh, nations of Israel, but it's also talking about those who, who were considered followers of the way in the newer Testament, as well as the Sabians, you know, and Sabians, you can also um, put Zoroastrians in there as well. Right. So these were the people who it was considered that, the revelation of this of these teachings from these elders were handed to them first, you know, before um, they were given to those who were then considered to be Muslim, right? So, but the 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 thing about that is important. There's some there's some there's some requirements thrown in there, right? So, yeah, of course, we're told people of the book what they eat. You can you can eat, you know, the foods that are listed out there in Leviticus are good for you to eat too. And the foods that are in the Quran that speak about what, what is, is haram and what is halal, you know, the, the, the distinctions, it's pretty much going to be the same thing for them too. Right. Um, and, but then it gets into the mating piece. It says, so are chaste believing women. Now those chaste believing women are speaking about the women who are Muslims first. And chaste of course means virginal or someone who's celibate. Or someone who is a virgin, but someone who is is refraining from uh, sexual intercourse, right? That's a chaste woman or a chaste person even. And then who is believing, right? So believing, of course, means someone who is following this this way, 
following these these instructions, these rules, this this these commandments, this culture of Islam, right? And then uh, then it says women as well as chaste women of the people, right? So chaste uh, of the people who were given the scripture before you. So now that's speaking about the ones I listed before. These are the Hebrews. These are, I mean, and really they would be all Israelites because people of the book could be uh, what the term might be used, believers and non-believers. These just, these are, they're both in the book, you know, if you will. But um, what's sort of said there is women, you know, who were of, are of the people who, who the scriptures were given to before you, you know, and, but there's some requirements. You still have to give them a dowry just because they're, they're not particularly in your same exact culture, even though, you know, as, as Muslims, we were taught that, you know, the people of the book and us were pretty much the same thing. It's just, we're using different terminology for the same experience. That's the teaching, right? Um, I'm not going to get into how accurate that is yet. I will eventually, but that's not the subject of this, this session. And so it's saying, okay, you still have to respect them with a bride gift, a dowry. You still have to respect them by marrying them. It's saying that you can't, uh, as the scripture says, you can't take them as lovers or secret mistresses. You see, sometimes people, when they get into a certain um, culture or a certain community, they have those sort of secrets. It's like, you know, um, I don't feel like I'll find someone within my group or within my community, but I still want to be with someone. I'm, you know, like I say, everybody wants to be touched. That's understandable. So I'll take what I can where I can get it, but I just won't bring this person around the community. You see, and that's forbidden. That's not what we do. You know? Um, so one of the things is, and again, we're talking about people who are truly practicing a truly practicing Muslim and a truly practicing Hebrew original Hebrew, a truly practicing Hebrews and Israelite, what they're going to be doing, their, their basic um, approaches are pretty much going to be identical, you know, in terms of their reverence. Um, and of course there are different terms that are used, but again, um, in this instance, the, the Quran is speaking about a Muslim man dealing with a woman who may be a Hebrew or maybe um, Zoroastrian, maybe Sabian, or maybe a follower of the way. That's someone who's following the paths and, and, and the teachings of Christ, right? So you, again, like I said, that first qualification, she's, she's got to be chaste. You know, that means that she's not someone who's defiled. You see, she's not someone who's walking around with a lot of stains and she's living a, a, a moral sort of life, right? And sometimes, again, we, we, don't aim towards men or aim towards women who are living lives that are based around purity and righteousness and truthfulness, modesty, you know, things like that. Um, and when you don't, you have to sort of ask yourself, what am I doing here? Like, what's the point? <laughs> you know, why, why am I interacting with this person? If this person is not living by the tenets that I live by, nor are they even striving to, it's this constant pulling and dragging and they want to, you know, argue and you say, well, this is the way we do this. And this is the way we do. Well, why can't we do it this way? Why you got to do it that, you know? And honestly, we have so little time to deal with that at this point, you know, and it's, it's sort of a beautiful thing, even in the Quran where it opens up where it's like, if you can't find a Muslim woman, well, here, these people of the book will also work as well, you know? So, the qualifications, again, speaking about, you know, the relationship is not hidden. If you are dealing with this woman and you bring her into your home, you bring her into your home. She's not a secret lover. That's usually a very weak male's response. You know, because even if you have a wife, you let her know, okay, hey, I, I have another wife now. There are both of you, right? See, we, we live in such a sick, diverse, perverse space now where masculinity is hunted and outlawed. That's really what the reality of it is. It's, it's outlawed. If I say I have two wives, three wives, four wives, five wives, seven wives, and everyone is managed, everyone is happy. 
Everyone is at peace. We, we are developing a beautiful network among ourselves, a beautiful family, a beautiful unit, a beautiful clan among ourselves. Then, you know, there's something wrong with me. No one will say, that's a manly man right there. That man has a lot of testosterone and a lot of direction, a lot of focus. Testosterone gives you focus. He's got a lot of vision. Wow. A young man may say, I want to be like him when I grow up. Look how strong he is. He has seven wives. He has eight wives. Wow. Look how strong he is. Nope. Because we're looking at the imperative of a sick place. So we'll say, oh, look, he just wants to have a bunch of sex with a bunch of women. That's that's the only place our mind will go to, which says something about us. But if I said I wanted to go another direction, <laughs> I would be praised for my courage. So it's not courageous to have five, two, three, four, five women. And of course, I have to develop myself greatly as a man to even do that. Just jumping out there and grabbing five, six women, it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean you're doing much. What is that home producing? What is that tree? What's the fruit that that tree is bearing? Are those women growing? Are they, are you refining them? Because your job is to refine them to present them back to the creator. The same way that Yahawashai refines us as the body. And there's only one body. Let me be clear on that too. There's no, you got to look at these words. There's one body, like he said, it came back from my people. He's talking about Israel. That's the only body is Israel. And I'm cleaning up Israel to represent Israel to Yahuwah. And see, that process trickles right down. Because when you're dealing with your wife, you're loving her in the same way. I'm cleaning up this woman so I can present her to Yahawashai. So I have to refine her. I have to purify her. I have to make her stainless. You see. So when you're attaching yourself to someone and that's not the imperative, what are you doing? Like, what, 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 what is this about? Right. So that's why oftentimes it's best that we that we um, mate among each other. I knew mate among I knew. Because you're very clear in that sense what the imperative is. Now, there's some things to think about when it comes to that. And the first thing to understand is that when you find someone who is virtuous or striving towards virtue, you better cherish them. Cherish them. Because there's a lot of people out here who are not or who are pretending to or maybe just a little bit. <laughs> They say, oh, well, you know, I don't put regular salt in my greens. I put sea salt because the regular salt is just chemicals. Just a little bit of striving, right? Okay, that's appreciate that. But when you find someone who wholeheartedly is committed to their, their growth path and their development towards being a, a, a woman or a man of a, of a class that produces greatness, of a class that's of a higher pedigree, you know, and who really seeks to be that virtuous woman that you heard me speaking about, or that capable woman that you see me speaking about, that's something worth cherishing. So when you're taking on these foreign people who praise these foreign gods, you know, whether those gods be fashion or whether they be money or whether their God might be their own ego, you know, they're lost, they're dead. You know, it creates so many different complications. The intermarriage has always created complications when we've mixed with foreign people. So you want to as much as as, as possible, it, instead of intermarrying with people who are disbelievers, people who are drunk, uh, drunk in their, within their own ego or who are um, uh, just kind of lost and dead in their own psyche. You know, it's so much more powerful to get out of those circles where you may or those pools where you may pull from because the most high has never condoned mixing. But look for those who carry the core intention and aim that you do. But that aim is not just based on happenstance. You may encounter someone who 
let's say a man who is is hardworking and a man who cares and for his family and loves his family, but he may not necessarily be doing that based on divine orders. He may be doing that because he's a robot. He saw his father do it. He saw his grandfather do it. But it really doesn't mean anything to him. That's dangerous. That's like the story of Job. Job didn't have that spiritual root. He was just perfect. He just was doing everything right. But it wasn't for necessarily the right reasons until it was, you know, that's why that had to be pulled out and proven, if you will. You see. So that mixing is such a, a such a uh, a dangerous thing at times. You know, you always want to be careful of that and understand that the Holy Quran, you know, says women who are impure are made for impure men. And women of purity are made for, for pure, for pure men. So, and men for purity for women of purity. So, you know, um, you want to look for that level of sincerity, that level of, of striving for perfection, striving for excellence, you know, and obviously for reasons that, that make sense. And when you're marrying someone who is still worshiping idols, you know, and thinking that if I if I get with them, eventually they will believe. It doesn't work like that. Eventually they'll believe. It's better to marry someone who is young and in the faith walk and stri- but striving than someone who is an idolatrous. But they they pleasure you in a way that you just love so very much. That's really worthless at the end of things because you'll find that the more that you begin to ascend spiritually, here's a deep truth. The less you have a desire towards pleasure. See, now you have a lot of fake teachers out here who will tell you about all these things about pleasure, 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 pleasure. They live for pleasure and then they start to spiritize the concept of pleasure. They make it into this great divine thing. Oh, it's the reconnection of the divine Feminine with the divine feminine or the divine feminine with the divine masculine or the divine masculine or everybody's connecting, you know, because pleasure is where we feel our intimacy and our it's garbage. It's only it's only romanticizing the root chakra. The higher up you go, you'll find that you'll have less of a desire. And that's not that's not a bad thing, but you'll be kind of told it's a bad thing. You see, not to say that you're no longer sensual or you're no longer sexual, or you're no longer kinky, but you're not striving for that. You're striving for something that exists above that. You're striving, so you start to be able to see that the spirit of you and your body are two different things. They're not the same thing. They're two different things, you see? So eventually the spirit begins to pull away from the body while at the same time pulling the body towards a certain thing. So you no longer become a slave to it. It no longer rules over you in the same sort of way. You see, the Quran says, and marry not the idolatress until they believe. And certainly a believing maid is better than the idolatress, even though she pleases you, nor give believing women in marriage to idolaters until they believe. And certainly a believing slave is better than an idolater, even though he pleases you. These invite to the fire and Allah invites to the garden and to forgiveness by his will. And he makes clear his message to men that they might be mindful. (laughs) You see. You want to look at things like, uh, believe it or not, it may sound like a very small thing, but how does this person eat? Right. We're speaking about pedigree. When you're dealing with people who still cannot get beyond, you know, food addictions, it's, it's going to be a big, I'm, and I'm using simple terms. It's going to be a big hassle later. If, if you're speaking to someone who you read Leviticus 11 and seven and eight to, and the swine, though the though he divide the hoof and be cloven footed, yet he cheweth not the cud. He is unclean to you of their flesh. Shall you not eat and their carcass? Shall you not touch? They are unclean to you. If you read that to someone and they say, yeah, but I'm saying, oh, you just got to pray over it. (laughs) But Matthew 7, 6 said, do not cast your pearls before swine. So swine was clearly seen as a problem, you know. 
if you if you can share things like that to a person and they are still fighting for it, that means that they still have a lot of um, old enslaved uh, sort of programming inside of them that they're unable to get beyond. They're still fighting for the existence of the slave. You see, so having that knowledge yourself is something you want to look at. Someone that you can speak to and have a reasonable conversation with. Understanding that maybe, especially if you came up in America, there's a constant attack, of course, you know, and there's a there's a a constant robbery that's going on, if you will. And that robbery through physical abuse, that robbery through mental abuse, that robbery through spiritual destruction of a of a people, people became robbed of their knowledge of self. And as a result, being not robbed of their knowledge of self, they became robbed of their knowledge of their Yah. And they became robbed of their ability to think for themselves in a way that was separate from how the slave maker was thinking. You see, so when you start to, you know, look for someone you want to meet with and, you know, you find that that person is still very proud to carry their old slave maker's name. And they're still very proud to um, be living out the culture of their former slave maker or current slave maker you know, and they're they're behaving in ways that are savage and their um their way of looking at their God is still from their slave maker and as a result there's a manifestation of self hate, you know, in different forms. Uh this is something that you want to sort of look at and realize that's gonna be a problem. Cause you're dealing with a deadhead. When you read Isaiah one, two and three, hear me hear me hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth, for Yahuwah has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its own manager. But Yisrael does not know. My people do not understand. You see, so that's speaking about someone. Yeah, they, they don't understand. So there's a there's a mental death there. They're physically alive. Right. But there's a mental death. You know, and as you read Luke nine sixty, let the bed, the dirt, I mean, excuse me, let the dead bury the dead, right? So it's that concept there of these are people who are spiritually dead. So let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. You know, First um, Corinthians fifteen thirty one, Paul said, "I die daily." You know, we die once in the physical lifetime, of course, but there's there's other ways that you die, meaning you transform. And those of us who are living in North America, uh, many of us are alive, but mentally and spiritually dead. So unless you're dealing with a woman or a man who has been redeemed, who has been restored, who has been reclaimed back to the originator as the most high's man, as the most high's woman, then you are going to be living among dead people. You're looking to produce dead children to bring forth another dead generation. Luke 24 and 5, why do you look for the living among the dead? So pay attention to the pools that you may look to search for that mate. Now, in, for instance, when you're looking for a woman, understand that, as I've said in other texts, this is the first teacher of your children, as you are her first teacher. You see, so if you choose a woman that's other than your own, then... um Will you be confident that she will correctly teach your children? And will she correctly teach your children if she hasn't been taught correctly herself? You see, if she doesn't have knowledge of self, if she doesn't understand the season that we're living in as a people, if she doesn't have knowledge of, of her enemy, if she doesn't have knowledge of the creator, how would she be able to imbue your children with that with that knowledge? What sort of um, modeling would she do that would teach the children about her lifestyle that she does automatically because it's so ingrained in her nature? You see, so choosing that right woman, it's a it's a preservation of the culture that you're living. You want to be able to produce a strong. Divine lineage. A strong divine lineage who will carry a strong name. And take your family into the future, not in, into dissolution. You look at the way someone dresses. You know, sometimes, again, 
is this person still living by the slave master's ways? Proverbs 3 and 31, do not envy the oppressor or choose any of his ways. So a lot of times we have people who are, they love to robe themselves with the common fashions of foreign people. And sometimes even their sense of independence and freedom and even sexiness and attractiveness is really just them walking around naked. <laughs> Essentially, their breasts are showing, their hips are showing, their behinds are showing. And um, they're not, and as a result, the children can't find heaven in that way because they're disgraceful. You see, so you would want to look for someone, male or female, who avoids indecency, who's self-aware and knows, OK, I have double D breast or I have, you know, these big hips or these big legs or whatever it is. And I know that man is excited by what he sees in woman. He's excited by that. And I have a responsibility not to be a distraction. Of course, the world will tell me different. It's not my responsibility. It's not my problem. He needs to control himself. You see, but I understand that my sister's problems are mine and my brother's problems are mine. Not to say it's a problem, you know, per se. I'm using that phrase. We want to be excited by our natural compliment. You see. So when you have someone who's learning to or or who chooses indecency and they choose to dress modestly, to speak modestly, they don't they they, they don't have all this paint all over their their face, you know, where they're using all this witchcraft to show themselves to be something other than what they are, you know, and they come with soft demeanor. Head bowed. Yeah, you see. And they understand that their value doesn't exist in in um, their body. You know, and if they don't show it, then they're lacking something. Girl, you know, you got to flaunt it, girl. You got to show what you're working with. You got, you know, foolish things like that from foolish people. But a civilized person walking the streets of North America, you know, who's dressed immodestly is inviting all sorts of violence into their world. And understanding that you can't use that comparison of the world to determine what's modest. I've seen that so many times. Well, my friend said this looked all right. You see, you know, your friends are, un are uncivilized. Of course, they would say that. Yeah, it shows my shape and it's form fitting, but everything's covered, even though it's like I'm wearing a, just a giant tube sock. Everything's covered. Well, I'm just going to the gym. That's why I have on yoga pants and a tank top. I'm just going to the gym. What difference does that make if you're going to the gym, the supermarket or the club? You're still exiting your domicile dressed in underwear. You see, if you have to and I and I tell you at a certain point. Men. If you have to have that conversation more than once. That's probably not the person you should wed. Because it's a game. If that individual is so. Lacking in self-awareness that they can't tell that they're dressed inappropriately, then I, I promise you, um, you're in for a world of headache. You know, if someone, if you say, listen, no, you can't dress like this. This is, this is the, the right way for, to reflect who I am and what I am. Then, and she says, okay. Or she, she pulls her clothes out and says, can you just tell me what? What it's okay. I, I think these, and she may make a selection first. I think these need to go. I think these are okay, but you tell me if you approve the selections I've made. Oh, that's so controlling, right? But let me tell you something, men. I can tell everything about you by the woman that you have on your arm or the woman that you choose to consort with or to even marry. Sometimes you'll see someone, you'll see a man and he seems like he's a solid person and he's strong and you know, he's someone that you'd even want to be friends with or be his brother. And then you see his woman and then your 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 idea, your value of him dramatically lessens dramatically. I have had that happen several times. Yeah, brother looks solid. Do you meet this woman? Like, oh, mm -mm. you see, because your woman is your moon. She's your reflection. So. If she's reflecting all kind of craziness and darkness, then that just lets me know that the, that your light has burned out or you have no light. That's all that's telling me. 
But when I see a woman who is well-dressed and she presents herself with class and with dignity, I'm automatically going to give that man respect. I remember that as a young man, sometimes being out and, um, cause I always used to like to, uh, my, my consorts or my little girlfriends, they, I didn't like to date girls who were in my, my own like high school or even my own town. I always liked quote unquote foreign <laughs> women, if you will, from another high school or something somewhere. But I would always, if, if I was caught in town with one of my women, I'd often get that, that's your girlfriend? Yo, that's who you talking to? And then your, your social value goes up immediately. You might even get guys like, yo, how you get her? How you pull that? You know, your value goes up immediately. And not to say that you find your value in your woman. You should not find your value in your woman, but she should be a reflection of your value. You see? She should be a reflection of what is imbued into her. She should be elevated and she should reflect you positively. You see, positively. Another thing to sort of consider, not even sort of. And I spoke about this earlier. The person that you're dealing with, are they are they following the slave makers religion? You see. We are free to give up on slave makers religions because it's, it's, it's the crack. <laughs> it's the crack. It's done so much damage to the, the mental state of original men and women in North America, you know, and the true teachings of Yahweh Shai have nothing to do with the modern day church and what's actually been given to you by, by Euro Christian theologians. You see, the concept of love everyone, that's not even in there. Instead of loving you and your people and your nation and your brother and your sister. Or this concept that you have all this hell and scunion here on earth. And then when you die, you go to this perfect place. Even the worship of, a, of an alien figure for your Messiah and your Savior. You see. Or even this alien figures, these alien figures of a trinity. You see. That, that, those slave religions will give you no boundaries in the place that you live. So as a result, you'll do anything. And as long as you're in church on, on Sunday. I'm in the club. I'm snorting cocaine off the bar. I'm having sex with someone for the first time. I don't even know who they, I don't even know their name. I'm sex with them in the bathroom. I'm drunk. You know, I have no boundaries, but I show up to church first thing Sunday and say I'm a believer. You see, I can be a devil <laughs> for six days. I mean, his number is six, right? And I'll be God on the seventh. You see, I, I speak and preach about the power of God and the power, the powers in his name, but I, I have no control over my sexual addictions, my alcohol addictions. My vices, drugs, cigarettes, you know, but it's so comfortable for me to stay in that environment because I have the appearance of holiness just for a day. That's all I really need. The The Quran says in 559, people, oh, people of the book, do you find fault with us for aught except that we believe in Allah and in that which has been revealed to us and that which was revealed before while most of you are transgressors. You see? So if you're looking at that man who's supposed to teach you, or you're looking at that woman who's supposed to teach you, have they overcome drinking, clubbing, smoking, um, eating unclean foods, following the ways of the slave master? If not, you know, you're giving yourself a hard time down the road, as well as giving your children a hard time. And if you're in the if you're in the way of working and striving to be better, they're not going to be able to relate to your struggle. They're going to have no sense of of relatedness to what it is that you're dealing with as a as a divine person, as a spiritual warrior who's trotting and working through the world. You see, there's going to be those days that come that you have to function as a divine believer all in all and all through and through. And you're going to come home and you want to be able to talk to someone 
without having to explain everything from scratch, without having to hear the enemy in your in your face when you come home from a day of living out the culture in the way that it was meant to be lived. You don't want to have to then come home and, well, what do you mean? Why, well, why didn't you just do this? And why didn't you just sign it? Why didn't you just take the shot? And, and mm-hmm. The Holy Quran 108, 1 and 2 tells us, Surely we have given the abundance of good, so pray to the Most High and sacrifice. You see, the life of someone who is living in a divine way is a life of sacrifice. And the Most High has given you a way of life through the teachings of all the elders and the ancestors who have come before us. But, but to whom much is given, much is required. So we are outside of, you know, whatever you do, whether you're a rideshare driver or you're, a, you know, a, I don't know, the secretary, or administrative assistant, you know, or you're you're an astrophysicist or you're a biochemist or, you know, you're a business analyst or a, a data scientist, whatever it is that you do. Even outside of that, you're still responsible for expressing and sending the truth out into the world so that your people can know that when it's time for them to sacrifice, you see, and if you're relating to someone who's in a struggle with you, they'll understand why as soon as you came home from work, you'd have to, you took a quick shower and went right back out because you had to go minister somewhere and they'll understand that sacrifice of time. Or when you say, Hey, I, I got to go fast and detox. And as a result, I'm not going to be around this this time or that time. Hold it down for me until I get back. They understand like, yeah, this is a part of our sacrifice. This is a part of our striving. You see, because we're called upon for certain assignments that only those who are walking in our same struggle will understand. And those who aren't, they'll complain that they're not getting enough time, not getting enough attention, not getting enough enough energy or you're taking um what they would like, you know, as far as your resources and giving it to the poor or giving it to maybe classes that would, you know, help you to grow or help you to develop as a better person to be a better parent, you know, or to be a better consort or to be a better person within your own community. You see. Jeremiah 10, three and four for the customs of the people are vain. For one cut the tree, cutteth the tree out of the forest the work of the hands of a workman with an axe. They deck it with silver and with gold and they fasten it with nails and with hammers that move it not. You have people who, you know, they have different celebrations that they want you to do. Oh, my parents are doing Christmas. They got to put up the tree. Come on. Or, you know, we do Thanksgiving. It's not about everything they say it's about. It's just a time we get together as a family. You see, but the customs of the people are vain. But some people have adopted those traditions and those celebrations. And as a result, um, they've adopted the ways of foreigners. You know, they've adopted the ways of slave makers. And it's it's just a, a really slick way to mask <laughs> commercializing um, their purpose of what it is that they want to do. They'll make you love this this character called Jesus so when Christmas comes around they can take your money they know you love your mama everybody love a mama love their mama so when that day comes everybody come on you gotta take out to eat you see there's there's billions of dollars spent um, I know in the Christmas of 2818 over $650 billion was spent the Christmas of 2018 by Americans. You see, it's big business. So when we say, well, we don't do those, those, we don't do those foreign holidays. No, we don't do Mother's Day and Father's Day and Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving. No, we have our own days. That we celebrate. We have our, our own seasons that we celebrate. And they're not commercialized. You see. So you want to look at people. Who also may have certain sort of, of habits. That they carry. That 
um, may also reflect and epitomize the condition of the, of the people you're looking to help and heal. You know, you have to sort of be in a place where you're willing to be washed from uncivilized behavior and from bad behavior, you know, understanding that there's no one is, is totally free of disobedience and transgression of the law, but there's a difference between making a mistake and, and, and deliberately choosing to transgress the law and making excuses to transgress the law. Like, well, nobody's perfect and you can't expect me to follow all those laws. Come on. You know, that's a person who's making plans to indulge in behavior that they know they should not be indulging in. That's not a mistake. That's a lifestyle. So as, as a part of being, um, entrenched in the American lifestyle, we've picked up some, some bad habits. You know, some of us drink and smoke and we do drugs and we chase men and we chase women and we do all these different things. But Proverbs twenty four sixteen: for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. You see, so when you have a man or a woman who's striving to be upright in, a, in an insane world, you see, they'll always stand above everyone and everything around them. And that requires a level of of sincerity, intentions, or or as the Quran says, niya. You see, and when you're looking from that perspective, you're moving past people who may be a hypocrite. Hypocrites are horrible. You know, people who say that they're doing all the right things. You know, until um, they get what they want. You know. That man or that woman is so perfect and saying all the right things until you get until there's a baby involved. Now she's trapped you and now the real her come out comes out or he's trapped you and the real him comes out. You know, or you start to get little signs and symbols that um, if some real difficulty or a real storm arises between the two of you. That they're not going to be able to last through that. They're not going to be able to weather the storms. They won't stay on the path even if you divorce. There's always something to think about. If we are no longer together and we have to raise children together, are, are what's, what are you going to expose these children to? Are you going to go back to church? Are you going to go back to some other form of, of you know, Demon worship, like what exactly are you going to do? Or are you going to put my children in hell? You see? Because these things take your strength. No different than how Delilah took the strength of, of Samson. Joshua twenty four fifteen says, choose this day whom you will serve. You see? So these are just a couple of things I wanted to you know, go over with you and have you look at as a result of um, just really exploring topics around resetting. But also I hear so many people shout up and down. I want to be made it. I want to be made it. I want to mate, but they may not take these things into consideration and even how they present. I've brought this up several times. Women come to me all the time. Can you do a ritual for me? I had someone ask me ritual recently so I can get a mate. And I asked her right there on the spot. I said, what are you wearing? Right now, what are you wearing? And what she described was not attractive. So I said, well, who would want you looking like that? Sometimes it's been so long since people have been able to engage themselves in healthy relationships that they've given up hope. They present themselves with any way, any sort of kind of disrespectful way, if you will. I know it can be so very tempting sometimes people... They wrestle with the idea of just like, well, I'll just, you know, sometimes I'll just get anything. <laughs> it doesn't matter if my if it's my compliment or not. But, you know, sometimes they've had people who or they've had situations where they don't want to admit it's on them. It's their fault. But this particular group of people treated me bad all my life. So I'm going to go to that group. And there's always this thought that if I go outside of my geographical circumference and Look for a person who's a non, whether it's a, you know, um, a non-Israelite, a non-Hebrew, a non-Muslim, you know, um, a non-follower of the way. 
that I'll find real companionship there. And that never works out. Unless you're willing to completely forget the sacrifice that you're supposed to make for the creator. And and you're willing to completely give yourself over into the reality of the dead. When you do that, you know, and you plot against your own development, development, your own growth, then yeah, you get exactly what you want. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So with that, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, close out. Uh, I'm not going to give you a book this strong because we're, we're a little bit, we're inching up towards our, our time, but, um, I will that you got a lot out of this session and you were able to kind of look at some of the things that exemplify a proper mate, you know, some of the things that we should be looking at when we're looking to accept the mission of courtship, accept the mission of mating, accept the, the mission of loving another person and accept the mission of following certain te- teachings and understand that if you're walking that mission with another person, you know, and you're receiving the training from the same space, you know, say you and your mate are in Anu and you're receiving that training together, then all things that would seem dark around you, you know, you're able to make light because the vision that your teaching and your training and your community gives you will allow you to create something out of the triple stage darkness of the dead reality of your alien social structure of a supremacist social structure. That's a triple stage darkness. And the only way you can pull light out of that, you know, is by having a code that you and, and your consort, you and your mate are living by that you're able to say, yeah, whether we going through ups and downs, better or worse, sickness or health, you know, the whole thing, we're able to rely and pull on these concepts and when we need to be corrected in what it is that we're doing, we accept that lovingly. We give it in a respectful way, you see. Because I understand that my my man is more than just a man and my wife is more than just a wife. Sometimes you hear people say, well, it's just a man. It's just a woman. Or maybe yours is. <laughs> but this is this is someone who produces. This is someone who procreates. You see, this is someone who brings forth civilizations and nations because of what we're able to do today. Together, we can make the impossible possible. We can be every odd. We can begin reversing the traumatic effects of the ma'afa together, and we can pull a new reality out of the triple stage darkness of ignorance that's been imposed upon us. You see, moving into that great space that we are, we were privileged and allowed to move into if we would only follow this lifestyle, this real lifestyle, you know, and that may come back with certain setbacks and things as, as you go, you know, but as we keep pushing forward and moving forward, we get to see our true power. So that's what I wanted to share with you in this session. Again, um, our, our new retreat is coming up. I think the registration is probably going to close pretty soon. It's coming up on the 24th to the 28th. And um, for those of you who are attending, I look forward to um, having you with the other community there. You know, I'm not even going to say I look forward to seeing you because sometimes I'm moving around so much, doing so much that um, you may not see me as much. But uh, definitely, uh, you know, there's 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 activities that I'm facilitating, such as um, I'll be doing some Tantra classes i'll be doing some deep breathing classes i'll be doing some meditation work um with you all i'll be doing some other activities so i will be very much present every day you know and uh of course we always have our time by the fire and all other goofy stuff (laughs) you know the kickball and all that stuff like that but we definitely will be doing some self-development work um together so i look forward to bringing those experiences uh, to you in self-defense for the men I'll be doing in the dawnings so be ready for that you know but um, you know that's on the 24th you know August for more information go to anulifeglobal.org a-n-u-l-i-f-e g-l-o-b-a-l dot o-r-g uh, for information on that but again nonetheless for those who are coming through man I really um, 
I look forward to you experiencing that. You know, it's always cool for me just to, I, I like, I, I guess it's a, it's a, it's an example I used before. I look at all the people I work with as like flowers in a garden. So, you know, I enjoy, like, you know, sometimes you work in your garden and you just want to sit out there in your chair with some, you know, mint water, some basil water that you got out of your garden and you just chill. <laughs> you just chill and look at everything. And it's just very relaxing and it's just very encouraging to see how different things are growing at different heights and different colors and different ways. And, you you know, when you slow down and you look, you realize like, oh, this one needs support there. I need to stake those tomatoes over there, move those peas near the fence or, you know, whatever it is. So um that's the joy I get, man, just watching people kind of expand and grow out the, the right people who are coming and not hypocrites but who are coming with a sincere heart sincere heart and I promise you there's no amount of words that you can say that make me believe you have a sincere heart it, it emanates from another place alright so I look forward to that alright and with that I'm going to close out this has been a Chief Yaya uh, podcast and um I'll see you for the next session. All right. Peace.